Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Weekend for Buffalo starts tonight against New Jersey, then back home against the Avalanche on Sunday afternoon. And both teams are licking their wounds after recent setbacks and have had enough time to stew on it that it could make it that much more challenging. Or is it a good position for the Sabres to be in? Marty, I've been around enough former players who seem to have this old adage like, oh, I wish they had won the last game before they come and play us. So you know, now you're staring at Colorado losing last <laughs> night. 15-game road win streak came to an end, which was a league record. So they're seemingly going to be ready for Buffalo on Sunday afternoon. And the Devils squandered a game against the Capitals in which they roared back from 3 nothing down, took the lead, only to lose 6-4. to What is it like as a former player? Do guys feel this, talk about it, anticipate anything because of previous games or is it just right here right now it should be just right here right now and you know why duffer is i've been in those shoes right of thinking ooh, like i wish they would have won so that we can get them in a uh maybe comfortable state and or oh they've lost three in a row so they're primed for the picking here's the problem nobody ever follows up on did you win or lose that game right <laughs> so you have a feeling but you don't you don't attach that feeling to the actual result. I remember even as a goalie, I'd be like, I'm going to try something different today. I'm going to, you know, warm up differently or whatever. But I never attach this to the success or failure of the game. And so then the next season, I'd be like, oh, last year I tried something different. Did it actually work? I don't remember. So right. I think it's a way for you to to either psych yourself up, right? and say. Hey, you know, they won last game, so, you know, they're going to bring their best game. Or they lost last game, they're going to bring their best game. Like, there's a way of almost having this this mental edge that you want to build up. But when I think of the way the Devils played last game and the way that Lindy Ruff coaches and the way that this team usually has been the last year, year and a half, I'm thinking their performance against the Washington Capitals um is is not a I don't want to say a good news for the Sabres because it's not about the devil it's about the Sabres but mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to bring their best like they storm back as you said mm-hmm. um just to let it slide away in the third period now the other thing is you maybe you're catching the devils at a time where their goaltending is questioning themselves which is and the Sabres they, just scored five right so yeah, you know uh, six yeah there was a 
You're right. That count. Empty net. Empty that matter. count. That count. You know, remind me that. Yes. So Sabres just scored six. So maybe you're like, hey, our offense is coming into form while their goaltending is kind of on shaky ground. So maybe that's a positive. But I just think it's it's psyching yourself up for a game. Can you update our Sabres live t-shirts? I want empty nets are for winners on the back of mine. So. Uh, empty nets are for winners. Uh, and if you have the most of them, you usually make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've learned that the last year. And the Devils are very much Sabre-esque of last year at the moment where it's fine to be top three offensively. But when you're in the bottom six defensively, you end up with a record of three wins and three losses. Now the Devils yeah. are three, two, and one. They've got the league's best power play. They have the league's best player right now in Jack Hughes, but they still have the same questions as to what happened to them at the end of the playoffs last year is which goaltender should start because we don't know what to do. They had an Akira Schmid window. Well, that glass broke in the playoffs. It yes. broke again the other night. And yet Vanacek has been uneven as has the team defensively. However, we know Vanacek's career record is oh. elite against the Sabres, so it was a no-brainer to start him tonight. And it looks like Eric Comrie is going to get the call from Buffalo's standpoint. We'll confirm mm. that momentarily if possible, but they had an optional skate. How do you view this goaltending matchup? Like, are the Sabres with this ongoing, granted, Levi not available right now due to the nagging injury, is the Sabres trio greater than the devil's duo at this point in time? Well, I would I would want to say yes, and I would venture to say yes, just because of recent performances, right? Mm-hmm. Like Eric Comrie played well in his two starts, got a win, and then Ukopeko Lukanen comes in and gets a win and plays well in Ottawa um, for... He played well for 60. Let's just say that the results were there for 55 minutes, and then the last five minutes really... Um, changed the way that the stats were looking, but I still think of his game as a good game. Now we discuss like who starts on Friday and who would you start? And I'm a little, I don't want to say I'm a little surprised that it's Eric Comrie. I I felt like Friday, Sunday was going to be one guy gets a game, the other guy gets the other one. That's how it is going to go. I probably thought looking in tonight, Comrie Sunday, but obviously it looks like it's going to be the other way around. But Wait a minute. Didn't you think this was the way it was going to go? Uh, no, I thought Lukanen. Originally, I thought Lukanen because he just came off the win and then Comrie was going to get Sunday. Then, then Producer it was... Jeff, do we talk too much that we just don't hear each other anymore? Is that the problem? <laughs> then it was... Then you kind of were like steering me towards... Uh, okay, well, if you were to start... Like Comrie oh, so on Friday. Fault. I was steering you. Yeah, you okay. steered me in the wrong direction. You said, what if you were to start Comrie Friday, how would Lukanen feel about it? I'm like, it's fine. It's fine as long as you say, hey, listen, you got Sunday's game. Prepare for that game already. Like, I don't think there's a problem in going one way or the other. But my thought was, okay, well, you're probably going to go with Lukanen Friday and then Comrie Sunday. But, I mean, they yeah. decide to go the other way around. Well, Comrie's 1-0, uh, scintillating numbers in that one game against the Devils. And Lukanen, of course, <laughs> beat... <laughs> it's, it's real. And 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 Lukanen beat the Avalanche last year yes. in Denver. So give him another twirl. But, uh, yeah. And I, I think that a lot, of, a lot of coaches look at all of this now, which 
I'm a little bit old school in that sense. I'm like, okay, there's definitely teams and ranks that I had better success against than mm -hmm. others. But when the sample is one game or one game last year, I think it's a little small of a sample, but coaches definitely look at all of the uh, impact that, you know, the previous matchups may, uh, may cause. Yes. So looking at it, like, which is now maybe unexpected from what you were thinking. Like, how does Comrie feel about like getting this rep when many would have thought like they'll just keep going with the winning goalie? Like, how does this, how does this balance both of their psyches going into this weekend? Well, I think Eric Comrie for me um, was brought in last year to be a, a consistent performer and to fill in a gap, right? When Craig Anderson was going to be, um, a, a, a part of the success, but not play more than 35 games, maybe 40, maybe go 40, 40. And Comrie started well, but then the injury and then never got himself back into the rhythm. I think it's a win no, for the city. No, he did. He did get himself back in the rhythm. Like I, I keep he, saying that like his, his final seven starts, yes, the results late. were very good, except everybody, including ESPN fixated on the one game when they hung him out to drive for 10 goals against, and against he came Dallas. back with a shutout. So, like, he's had six of his last eight appearances or three goals against or less. It's just everybody was only focused on one game and Levi's run. I really think it's, you know, I'm not saying you're being unfair. I'm saying people are forgetting that Comrie actually did get it together last year. He just wasn't given the same number of reps down the stretch. That's Levi's. the thing. Yes. So, you could, as they say, you can only... You can only win the games you actually play. And I think Comrie has done a nice job of that over his last eight, nine appearances. So, yeah. So where Comrie lost the rhythm a little bit is, uh, you know, he, he missed a little time, then came back. Um, but from January on, he only played 10 games. Right, I mean, you're talking Levi about yeah. because Levi, well, Levi came in at the very end, but it was Lukanen and, and Anderson, Lukanen and Anderson and Comrie only got 10 games from January on. When you think about 10 out of what, 45 right. games yeah. usually. So it's, it's not like your rhythm is, is broken. Maybe the, the, the results were not bad for Comrie, especially in his last eight, where he won yeah. five of his last eight, um, five of his last seven, I should say, but, but the reps weren't there. So the rhythm wasn't there. And now this is an opportunity for the coaching staff to say, Hey, Levi's got a little, you know, lower body something that he needs to work through. Um, let's see what Comrie's got. Let's see if we can get him in a rhythm. Um, but let's not forget about Lukanen as well. So I, it's, it's, I tell you again, Duffer, three goalies is hard to manage right now. They're not managing three goalies because they know Levi is not going. But you also have to think, what about in a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now? And so you've got to start thinking that. That's why three goalies is so hard to manage. Are we burying the lead? Should we have been focused on goaltending or should we be focused on the high scoring nature of the Sabres and the Devils with a high flying Jeff Skinner, a high flying Tyler Toffoli, the best player in the NHL right now, Jack Hughes. Thompson and Tuck coming off of multi-point games. Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dallin trying to extend personal streaks to their best of their careers. Like, is that where, where should we be? Or do you just throw it all in and say, this has the makings of an amazing Friday night hockey game? 
I think it has a making for an amazing hockey game. Now, I just looked quickly. The over-under is still at six and a half for tonight. Usually, when two flying offenses are going, um, they move it up to seven. And we've seen seven and a half before, but usually seven is like, hey, this is going to be a high-scoring game. Now, the over is much, much uh, favored in this game at minus 165. I think I just looked. But in the end, I think that, yeah, we're going to look at goaltending. Why? Because the story is always going to be for the Sabres. The devil's goaltending is a little bit on shaky ground. But what is going to make this game go either the Sabres way or not? I don't think it's going to be goaltending for either team. I think it's going to be, can you continue your offense the way that you did in Ottawa? Can you continue doing the little things that created offense? Um, can you neutralize Jack Hughes? You just mentioned Jack Hughes, 17 points in six games. The last time this was done in the NHL, in the first six game of the season, the last time a player had 17 points, you've got to go back to Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky in the early 90s, I think it was 92-93 and 93-94 that these two players had 17 points in the first six games of the season. It hasn't been like that. There's nobody that's come out of the gates averaging almost three points a game for the first six games of the season since right. Mario and Wayne. So is the actual matchup of most significance slash importance from a strategical standpoint Buffalo's improving penalty kill, trying to figure out a way to stop Jack Hughes, Luke Hughes, and company, and their league best 44. Is it 44 or 42? Hang on a sec. I have it somewhere written. And 42.3%. Yes. Power play. That's the best in the National Hockey League right, right now. So, right? do you think the pr improvements on Buffalo's PK have them ready? to take on this, which most often has not been, you know, look, the Devils are three, two, and one. They haven't scored the first goal in a game this year. Yeah, They're no, trailed in every single game, which means that after these slow starts, they tend to rip people apart in the second period. And then third periods have been a bit of a coin flip. Yeah, it's been a bit of, I, I think that the challenge is going to be to not only slow down the Devils PK, but can you have, your matchup, right? You're going to be in New Jersey. So you're either going to say Darlene and Samuelson are going to have that, that Jack Hughes matchup, or you may not be able to do that. And can power and Yoki are you step up to be able to eat some of those minutes? I think the five on five matchup for me in this game is going to really dictate how this game goes. Um, I think the the penalty kill is looking forward to that opportunity. Don't okay. take too many penalties. Don't give New Jersey too many opportunities. But if I am on the penalty kill or if I'm a Comrie right now, I'm saying, you know what? We're ready for that challenge. Our penalty kill is ready for the challenge that it is, the New Jersey Devils and their 40-plus percent uh, success rate so far in the season. Let's go. I, I want that challenge. Um, But the biggest part of the game for me is that it's not not, not just Jack Hughes. Yes, Brat is flying. Uh, Nico Ishir is looking better. There's a lot of part five on five that are going to be at play here that the Sabres will have to respond. Shana Goldman from The Athletic at the bottom of the hour here on Sabres Live. Buffalo plays New Jersey tonight. We're on the air on MSG with pregame coverage starting at 6.30. Don Granado addressing the media right now following escape this morning. Well, Don, uh, 
Hughes took a great step last year in his career. It seems like he's taken another giant step this year. What, what have you seen from him and what you've looked at so far? Well, I, I hate to say it. I do enjoy watching him. I hope that I'm not saying that after tonight's game. But he, he is, um, you know, you, there's a case you could say he's the best player in the world right now, um, the way he's playing. So uh, fun to watch. Um, less fun to play against and that'll be a challenge for us tonight you know you guys want to get up and down the ice they want to get up and down the ice how much of this game is going to be somebody's got to show a little defensive discipline and try to you know break the other side down yeah it's you know especially early in the season Hugh, as a coach uh, i don't have a lot of hair left but you're pulling your hair out because of structure and, and every coach in the league is doing it there's you watch game film uh, and you watch games last night and you just see how much more structure needs to be and will be in the game with all of these teams. And uh, when you look at the uh, the other lineup tonight and their proficiency on offense, uh, yeah, it's you, you think about the need for, for greater structure and uh, the, the fact that uh, skill over there can hold you accountable for, for not having it. What is, what is different about the Sabres when Tage Thompson is kicking it into high gear? Well, he's an ultra-competitive guy, and usually they follow hand-in-hand. Hand. When he's when he's ultra-competitive, uh, he, you know, six foot seven, he's a force uh, between that and his skill. So, uh, and he's a guy that guys gravitate towards. So, you know, he, he, he brings guys into the battle and into the fight, and he's a, you know, very, very uh, much a leader in that regard. How is his height challenging for, for the opposition, Don? Reach, um, obviously strength, um, much to which everyone would think the obvious, um, but not many guys have the skill he has. So you, you combine the size that's an advantage outright uh, with the hands and vision and hockey sense, and it's a pretty pretty nice package. How much do you look forward to seeing their power play against your penalty kill? You have one of the best penalty kills, and they have the best power play. It's strength against strength. Yeah, you look forward to that, Paul. I look forward to trying to find a way to win a hockey game. But, um, yeah, it's it's great for radio, isn't it? <laughs> I was talking to Luke Hughes before after the Devils skated. He talked about how he learned a lot from Owen Power just watching him the year they played together at Michigan. When you hear something like that and you see the way Power's game has been maturing, just – how did that whole experience, you think, with so much hype in college hockey, serve that might serve Owen Power for the next 10 years going through that, that year? Yeah, the, the best players in the world, and, and Jack Hughes, according to what you're saying there, is, uh, is Luke. Uh, and Luke yeah. Okay, Luke, I apologize. Yeah. Luke, I meant. Um, they, they like to learn, and they're sponges when it comes to learning. And I think people don't realize that. When you even talk to other players, it's the players that want to learn that become great and uh, in Owen's the same way so you put these guys in environments and they and they just pick up things and because their attention is on trying to get better and what can I learn from the situation so uh, not surprising to hear that uh, that quote um, and uh, and it really is a key component to, to all the guys around the league that are that are the most successful guys they're probably the guys that really focused on learning all their their whole life you probably answered this before, but just your outside thoughts looking in on, on what Lindy Ruff's been able to do here in, in New Jersey. First of all, not an easy spot. Uh, you know, pretty dynamic times for them over the last couple of years and even, you know, early in the season last year. But, um, you know, you know when you're you know when you're coaching against a Lindy Ruff team. I watched it, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago as a, even as a pro scout and uh, loved what he got out of his teams then and actually... Um, 
stayed in the building to watch his teams play quite a bit because not only were they entertaining, they played hard and, and competitively, um, and that hasn't changed in many, many years. So, um, yeah, it's, he's uh, had an impressive career, and his teams are always uh, seem to be pretty impressive too. What is Eric Johnson's leadership meant to Don Granato on Lindy Ruff, and uh, boy, does that take us back to a really tough time for us at the end of summer and remembering yes. RJ and there were so many emotions coming from so many different directions and from so many people that have meant so much to this organization. And for that ceremony to take on the tone that it did right at the start because of Lindy Ruff and how he was received. And then for him to project his feelings to the crowd of what Don Granado was doing for this team and the mutual respect you know, it shouldn't be overlooked, definitely, going into a, a matchup like tonight. No, it shouldn't be overlooked because they're both really big students of the game. And I remember my first few years in Buffalo with Lindy, um, there was one way of playing, right? Like, Lindy Ruff was used to having Dominic Hasek in that, was used to say, hey, we have a, a all-world goaltender, and we may win one nothing or 2-1, but that's how we're going to get it done. And then I come in, right, and it's like, Oh, we have Marty in that now. Let's shut things down. Let's play solid defensively. And that was the game. And then he evolved and he changed. He became a student of the game. He went to, you know, on Team Canada staff and learned from other coaches and continued to evolve. And I think Don Granado is that, that same. He talks about the U's being sponges. I think Lindy Ruff and Don Granato are sponges. They learn from watching other coaches, other teams, other players talking to different people. And to me, that's really important. Um, I forgot yesterday to mention that I had written it down, but October 26th of 2006 was the date that we won 10 games in a row, right? Mm -hmm. The start of 06, 07, 10 wins in a row. And you talk about, Vegas now, their success and Colorado finally getting a loss and Boston overtime loss. But, but special coaches do that. Mm-hmm. It's not regular coaches that just say, Hey, you guys go. It's coaches that are prepared and special coaches do that. And Don Granado respects Lindy Ruff. And I know Lindy Ruff respects Don Granado. And you always watch your old teams a little closer. And oh, from what, yeah. from what? From what Lindy was saying this summer when we did the RJ Remembrance, it was he pays attention to the Sabres and watches them close and really appreciates what Don Granado's done. Mm-hmm. That'll never change. Lindy's been that way since the moment he left. And, uh, yeah, I, but you I don't know, know if the, Lindy all... watches Dallas the same way that he watches Buffalo. No, of course not. No, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, sure, there's, there's always a little bit of wherever you've been in your life that you take with you. That's mm-hmm. undeniable. Um, but it's always been different. The, the, a fascinating, honestly, beyond blue and gold sports documentary, whatever, like Lindy's time, but more specifically, and I wouldn't want to focus just on this, but the ending of Lindy's tenure. Yeah. Was a really crazy emotional time. Like, Everybody was calling for it. Everybody was expecting it. And then when it happened, everybody was like, what the? And then the emotions went the other way and everybody felt sorry. Like they just felt terrible that Lindy hadn't won and that now he wasn't going to have the chance to win, you know? And it was just, 
man, it was. People and, and had been, I, wanted Lindy fired for like multiple times, not just like at I the know. end. I'm talking like multiple times. It's the, it's the human nature reality, right? And, I also think you uh, end up having coaches after that that are, are measured with what was the previous coach. Yeah. And you realize that the bar was set really high when Ron Rolston came in and when, you know, they had a rotating crew of coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, the bar had been set high by Lindy right before that. And that's how you appreciate what he was able to do. So let's look at uh, projected lineups for tonight from Buffalo's standpoint. Yes. Obviously, the forward group uh, not expecting to have Zach Benson after he was in in the victory over Ottawa, but it's certainly looking like Tyson Jost is going to be in among the forwards. And with that, uh, they're up against an incredibly strong uh, New Jersey team that has a top line, you know, uh, centered by Jack Hughes right now that is absolutely rolling. Um, how do you view any of the, you know, well, the only small change we're expecting up front for Buffalo tonight? Um, well, I mean, that and, was and maybe expected. make a bigger picture, like maybe, maybe try to, you know, look at it. Like <clears throat> how do they continue to move forward managing Zach Benson, but well, keeping the emphasis on tonight and this group of 12 that's going to play against the devils. Okay. So just quickly on Zach Benson, he played under 10 minutes against the Ottawa senators. And then he was the extra at practice yesterday. So all indications would be that, you know, it's probably, going to be Tyson Jost returning to the lineup. Um, And it's okay for Zach Benson to take a night here and there. And maybe like there was a lower body that he had to nurse. And um, and it doesn't take away that he will be a fantastic hockey player. There's one thing to do it in rookie tournament and in preseasons and then have that happening in the season. And we can all appreciate what he's done. But right now there's more experienced, more matured players that have done it that can insert in the lineup and Tyson Joseph's coming in. My biggest challenge when it comes to the, the group of 12 right now is how do you match up against the Devils that are really deep? I mean, the Devils have a fort line of Alexander Holtz, Michael, Michael McLeod, and Nathan Bastion who they can move. Holt is a, you know, was a high draft pick. Like they can move, they can skate, they can create. Um, so how do you match? But Buffalo beyond tonight typically has had first round pick Peyton Krebs on their fourth line. Like I yes. know Peyton doesn't score at the same rate, but when you're talking about high selections, Buffalo's had that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so is this a, how do you match your top two lines versus the bottom two lines? Is that a straight matchup? Are you on the road so you may not be able to get the matchup? And who who do you play against Jack Hughes? Is this Tage Thompson that is going to go with Jordan Greenway and Dylan Cousins? Is that the line that goes against Jack Hughes? Or do you trust Middlestat with Skinner and Tuck? I would think I would probably put Tage Thompson head-to-head with Jack Hughes and say, you know what? You guys are big. You have... Uh, um, you know, obviously Dylan Cousins that can take some center responsibilities. If you have mm-hmm. to, you're going to have that. And Jordan Greenway has played so well, especially in the defensive zone, getting to pucks, being able to, to win one-on-one battles, getting pucks out. I would go Thompson, mm-hmm. but Lindy Ruff is probably thinking the same way I'm thinking right now. And he says, right. I got to put use against Middlestat and try to exploit that matchup. That to me is the big picture of what this game is going to have. Uh, when you look at facing off against, uh, Hughes and, and Brat and, 
and and everybody else on the Devils. A lot more on this matchup uh, later in the show, but also tonight at 6.30 on MSG for our pregame coverage. The Amherst are also in action tonight. They are at home, and they will have Brandon Byro back in the mix after missing a little bit of time due to injury. He'll come in versus Laval. Devin Cooley's going to be in goal. They're going to opt for 11 forward, seven defensemen as Zach Metza gets his first spin of the season. They are dealing with more injuries than just... Uh, uh, Neuchev up front and Weisbach. So the lineup's going to look a little bit different, but we are expecting to see, uh, Rose and Kulik and Savoy get a second straight game together. And of course, after tonight for the Sabres, it's home to take on the Avalanche on Sunday. It's hockey Halloween. It's black and red. It's going to be a ton of fun. And we'll be on the air at 1230 for the 1 p.m. start from KeyBank Center. You can enjoy Halloween themed activations in the concourse in the pregame. And the first 5,000 fans will receive a pack of black and red player cards. So you can get your tickets now at sabres.com slash tickets. Shana Goldman from the athletic straight ahead on Sabres live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.